0: this time, so children can start heading that way. I'm going to read the scripture in a minute. We're going to be going to Philippians 2, 12 and 13 here in just a minute, so if you want to begin to turn there, Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, and we'll get there here in a minute. I wonder who you have a relationship with. Who do you really know, like really, really know? Do you know someone? Yesterday, you know, I didn't have this originally in my plans when I was writing this sermon because I work ahead, but I got the perfect illustration for this. Yesterday we went down to Dayton for a short little day trip because my grandparents, my grandfather's going on 92, and my grandmother's going on 90, and they were celebrating their 71st wedding anniversary. So if you think of 71 years of marriage, by that point, you really know that person generally, right? I mean, you've lived a life together. You've, they've raised five children together. They've, you know, they've got many, many grandchildren, some great-grandchildren. I think they have a couple great-great-grandchildren. They really know each other. Interestingly, yesterday they planned a little program, and they had some... Um, some uh, a quiz of how well we know them, and I found out they only knew each other for three months before they got married. So they really didn't know each other when they got married, but here 71 years later, you know, we're celebrating their wedding anniversary. You know, do you really know someone? Remember last week I talked about whether you know famous people or not, maybe You know, maybe we know of famous people. Most of us really don't know them, though. Recently, I heard a message in which someone talked about being in Hollywood, uh, California, and they were at a Hard Rock Cafe, I think it was called, and Johnny Depp, the actor, walked in. Johnny Depp, the actor, walked in. And he sees Johnny Depp walk in, and Johnny Depp goes to a table in the back of the restaurant, and Johnny Depp just kind of sits down facing everybody else. And behind Johnny Depp comes in this big bodyguard, (laughs) And his bodyguard comes in, and he sits, not facing Johnny Depp. He fits with his back to Johnny Depp, facing everybody else, in a certain posture, saying, no access. You're not going to be talking to Johnny Depp today, (laughs) you know? You might see him, but you're not going to know him. There's no access to Johnny Depp. You might know of Johnny Depp, but you don't know him. No relationship with Johnny Depp. But you know what? We can have a relationship with Jesus, and I would recommend choosing Jesus over Johnny Depp. I mean, think about it. Would you prefer a relationship with the creator and sustainer of the world or with an actor? Most most reject the creator and go after an actor or an athlete, a, uh, somebody else. God actually chases us down. He's been described as a hound of heaven, wanting a relationship with us. You know, I was reminded of this when I saw a little image yesterday. I'm going to ask Ken... Uh, to put this image up. No, the image, not the video clip. That'll be later. Just hit go live on the easy worship. There we go. I don't know if you can see this, so I'm going to describe it. This was Lisa Fink actually shared this. Thank you, Lisa. Uh, And it says at the top, not sure how they pulled this off. It says Holy Bible, and then it says signed copy. (laughs) Not sure how they pulled this off. Holy Bible, signed copy. So I saw that and I just started bursting out laughing. So I shared it with a friend and he said, he replied, well, someday we'll get to meet that, you know, actual person. But for now, we do know him in kind of a metaphysical way, right? But we don't have the signed autograph, but you can go ahead and put it back to black screen now. Thank you. But do you have a relationship with anyone? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Now think about your relationship with people. There's many people I'm sure that you know, whether children, grandchildren, spouses, parents, others, that you really know. And, and let me ask you, does it take effort to work on that relationship? Does it take time spent together to work on that relationship? I wish to continue talking about knowing Jesus. I began this uh, last Sunday, and I'm going to continue it, for about four or five weeks and I want to talk about knowing Jesus in 2020, having a relationship with Jesus in 2020. I read the following. Uh, not yet. <laughs> it's coming soon. Ken's just eager. Okay. Um, I read the following. Much of the history of Christianity has been devoted to domesticating Jesus. Domesticating Jesus. To reducing that elusive, enigmatic, paradoxical person to dimensions we can comprehend, understand, and convert to our own purposes. So far, it hasn't worked. We can't domesticate Jesus. We cannot reduce Jesus to dimensions we can comprehend. We cannot reduce Jesus to dimensions we can understand. We cannot reduce and convert Jesus to our own purposes. I love what N.T. Wright says. When the Bible scholar N.T. Wright was asked what he would tell his children on his deathbed, he said, look at Jesus. Tom Wright explained why. The person who walks out of the pages of the Gospels to meet us is just central and irreplaceable. He is always a surprise. We never have Jesus in our pockets. He is always coming at us from different angles. If you want to know who God is, look at Jesus. If you want to know what it means to be human, look at Jesus. If you want to know what love is, look at Jesus. And go on looking until you are not just a spectator, but part of the drama that has him as a central character. You hear that? Keep looking at Jesus until you're not just a spectator, but part of the drama that has Jesus as a central character. It's about knowing Jesus. We have the opportunity to know him, to know Jesus, but most do not. Even maybe some of you, I dare say, do not really know Jesus. Maybe you made a commitment to him, but do you really know him? Do you, do you really have a relationship with him? How is your prayer life? How are your devotions? How are your corporate and individual spiritual disciplines? And I reference both of them because they are both critical to the Christian life. When your corporate spiritual disciplines are lacking, your individual disciplines are lacking. When your individual spiritual disciplines are lacking, your corporate spiritual disciplines are lacking or will be lacking. Now remember, corporate spiritual disciplines are worship like this, Sunday school, small groups, meeting with a prayer partner, praying together, sharing life together, holding each other accountable. We need the corporate church. We need these things. And when that lacks, your individual devotions will lack. The church is called the Bride of Christ. We're not meant to live the Christian life on our own. And I really believe the New Testament recognizes and expected a much deeper body of Christ walk than much of of us in 21st century America have. If your spiritual disciplines, your devotions, your spiritual habits are lacking... I'm here to help you, and more than that, God wants to help you. God wants to have a closer relationship with you. God is not Johnny Depp saying, no access. And I'm not saying I blame Johnny Depp for that. Johnny Depp could not talk to all of us at the same time, and really I wouldn't care. But, but God can hear from all of us at the same time, and he wants to. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He wants a deeper relationship with us. So my theme and application today is knowing Jesus through spiritual disciplines. We'll look at a few texts. And I want, this is the application, the broad application. Spiritual growth takes time and discipline. But we can only know Jesus through spiritual growth. Just like we can only know a person through investing in the relationship. You can only know a person through investing in the relationship. And you can only know Jesus and have a relationship with him through, uh, through spiritual growth, through investing in that relationship, through discipleship. That's the way to know Jesus. Now, I hope you are on Philippians 2, 12 through 13. Let me read that passage. Paul writes, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only... But now, much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. We're going to take apart this passage. I want to read it. Let's read it one more time. I really want... It's the scripture that matters most of all. Let's read it one more time. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation. That's interesting. We'll come back to that. With fear and trembling, great reverence. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. This is saying God is at work in us. That's powerful. Relationships take time. Do you know your children? Do you know your children if you do not spend time with them? Do you know your spouse if you do not spend time with him or her? Now you can get the video clip ready. Anyone seen Fiddler on the Roof? There's a clip where they sing. Uh, by the way, Fiddler on the Roof is about this uh, Jewish people during Russia, right before the Russian Revolution. And there's a clip where these two uh, father, and wa- father and mother, husband and wife, Tevye, and you'll see her name in a minute, are singing this song, and it's, a, it's, it's Do You Love Me? They had an arranged marriage. They've been married 25 years, and he's saying, Do You Love Me? And let me just use this to make the illustration. So go ahead and hit play. Love Mother, Do you love me? Do I what? Do you love me? Do I love you? With yeah. our well, daughters getting married and struggle in the town, your sexual one out from inside. go ahead and escape out of that. So I wanted to share that, you know, they had arranged marriages and it was quite common to have arranged marriages then. And as I said, they didn't even know each other when they got married. But by this point, after 25 years of marriage and raising their children, they had built a relationship together and they knew each other. They had a relationship where they knew each other. And I want to make the case we need to have that type of relationship where, with Jesus. We know him. He wants that relationship with us. You know, and let me remind you, love is a choice. Sometimes we may we may not feel the love for someone else but we choose to love them because they are our spouse or child or parent or another human being and then we work on the relationship do you work on your relationship with your savior we got to work on our relationship with our Savior as well. So we just read that passage. Now let's think about it. We read Philippians 2, 12 through 13. Let's break it down for a minute. You know, if you read that whole chapter of Philippians 2, the whole chapter of Philippians chapter 2, it is just a marvelous chapter. Paul talks about looking unto others' needs before our own. Paul talks about considering others more important than ourselves. Paul talks about having the mindset of Christ. Paul talks about how Jesus came to earth and died for our sins. And every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. Now Paul says to work out our salvation. Now, work out our salvation. That phrase, that, that two words, work out, in the Greek, that is a mining term. A mining term. Isn't that Interesting. Imagine miners digging out precious metals. We have salvation within us, and that's like precious metals that need to be mined. They need to be worked out. But does this mean we are saved by works? Does this mean we have to earn our salvation? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Does that mean we have to earn our salvation? Well, when it comes to that, we must examine Scripture with Scripture. And we'll do that in just a minute. But in this case, just look at the context. Look at the next verse. It says, God is working in you. God is working in you to will and to act for his good pleasure. So God is working in you, so you must let it flow out of you. There's more we can say about that passage. Mainly notice the reverence. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That's great and total reverence for God who is holy and righteous and pure. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That is powerful. You know, we are freely saved. Our salvation is a gift. Ephesians 2.8 and 9 says, We are saved by grace through faith, not by works, so no one can boast. Now, Ephesians 2.10 says we are saved on two good works, but our salvation is free. If we truly had to earn our salvation, then Jesus would, would not have had to go to the cross because we could just earn our salvation. The cross would be meaningless. Jesus went to the cross because we cannot earn our salvation. I believe this is clearly saying that We are working out what God is working in. God is working in us. We're to let it flow out of us. We must grow spiritually, not to earn our salvation, but to foster a relationship with God. We have diamonds within us. We have precious metals within us. We have gold within us, but they need to be mined out of us. And that's what we work out. God is working in you. Work to let it flow out of you. Now we're going to turn to another passage, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 through 8. So if you're following along in your Bibles, which I um, would encourage you to do, turn over a few pages to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 through 8. If you're on your smartphone or device, just go from your one verse to the next and skip over Facebook for the moment. First Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 through 8. This is another passage about discipleship. This is another passage about spiritual growth. This is another passage about knowing Jesus, having a relationship with Jesus. Let me read 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 8. But have nothing to do with worldly fables. Fit only for old women. Ignore that part for a minute. <laughs> On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Whoa. Notice it says that. Discipline yourself. Discipline. It's a bad word. But it's right there in the scriptures. That's how we grow spiritually. We discipline ourselves. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Verse 8. For bodily discipline is only of little profit. Not no profit, just little profit. But godliness is profitable for all things, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. This is another passage about building a relationship with Jesus. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Instead of being caught up in worldly fables... By the way, that phrase, worldly fables, it says, fit only for old women. He doesn't mean, he's not meaning to attack women or anything like that. Don't take it that way. In fact, I was just going to skip right over that. I thought I should spend a moment on that. Um, There's one source called the IVP Bible Backgrounds Commentary, and it says, Paul alludes to the sort of physical training undertaken especially by athletes and others in the Greek gymnasia where men stripped naked for exercises. This image would have been familiar to his Greek readers because the gymnasium was a center of civic life in Hellenized towns. The image of physical training was extremely common in the illustrations of Greco-Roman moralists and philosophers. Like them, Paul speaks of moral, intellectual, and spiritual discipline rather than physical exercise, although he is not opposed to the, to the latter. Philosophers commonly demeaned the tales of old women as fit only for children, and they mocked irrational views as those suited only to old women. So Paul is just acting like a common philosopher of the day, just kind of really talking about not sitting around, whether you're male or female, really, and just talking about tales, you know, tall tales, whatever. You know, uh, this this source says this perspective also presupposes the illiteracy. ...of most older women in antiquity. Even those who had learned to read in youth would usually have had little subsequent practice at it. Paul takes up the current figure of speech. So most women and most elderly women were certainly illiterate in that day and age as well. So keep that in mind as we look at this. So instead of being caught up in worldly fables, that's what we need to think about. Discipline yourself. What are we disciplining ourselves for? We are disciplining ourselves for the purpose of godliness... Look at verse 8. It says, godliness has much profit for this life and the life to come. Notice that. Notice it says, bodily discipline is of little profit. It's not that it's no, it's not that it's no profit. I'm, he's not, I, I really strongly believe he's not condemning exercise here. For those of you that like to do your exercise in the morning. He's just saying bodily discipline is of little profit. Because it's only for this life. You can't take your six-pack abs with you to eternity. It's only for this life. But, he says, godliness is profitable for all things. He says godliness is profitable for all things. Since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. You ever think about that? When you are pursuing godliness, when you're pursuing growing as a Christian, when you're pursuing your relationship with Jesus, it's not only for this life, it's also for the life to come. But it is for this life too. Many times we think that our Christian life is only for eternity. It's not only for eternity. It's about knowing Jesus now. Having a relationship with Jesus now. Being kingdom living now. Organizing your affairs around Jesus now. Making Jesus Lord of your life now. And guess what? When you make Jesus Lord of your life now, it's going to help you in the life to come as well. It carries over. But do you see what it takes? Discipline. There's no instant godliness. Keep that in mind. We might have instant coffee and instant Wendy's and McDonald's and, right, Bobby? Instant Wendy's? It's not instant, instant. okay. Instant taco. We can go to these fast food, but there's no instant godliness. There's no quick quick, uh, plan. Discipline is the key to spiritual maturity, and keep that in mind. Discipline is the key to spiritual maturity. The word discipline actually means train or exercise. Paul uses a Greek word right here. When Paul uses the word discipline, it's a Greek word from the athletic arena. And we also derive from it the word gymnastics. Gymnastics. We have the revealed truth, which is the Bible, plus disciplined obedience, plus the power of the Holy Spirit within... And that equals change and growth and maturity and godliness. Let me repeat that. We have the Bible, which is God's revealed truth. We have our own disciplined obedience. And that equals change and growth and spiritual maturity. So let's apply this. Most of us want a relationship with Christ. We want to know him. But we don't want to invest in that relationship with Christ. Therefore, it is one-sided. And let me be honest. I alluded to this last week. Let me say it again. It just sucks the life out of me as a pastor. Let me be personal. It is draining trying to shepherd people when they do not care. And that's not just for me. Our elders could speak to that. Other church pastors and church leaders could, could, could speak to that. It's draining when you're trying to shepherd them. And, they, and, and, and you know that what we are called to do takes discipline. But people don't really want to grow up in the Lord. They don't want to do it. I want to challenge you to have godly habits. This week, begin devotional habits. If you already have devotional habits, praise God, but don't get too comfortable. Go a step deeper. Stretch your spiritual muscles. Listen, if you, if you run a mile every day, your body's going to get used to it, and eventually you have to try to run a mile and a half. Or try to sprint a little bit. Run a little faster. you got to stretch yourself. Stretch yourself spiritually. If you're already spending 10 minutes with the Lord every day, try to spend 15 minutes. If you're, if you're just reading our daily bread but not reading more than a verse or two, try to read a chapter. Try to read a little bit more. If you're already reading every day and having some devotional time, try to take an hour a week to actually have a Bible study. I believe every Christian needs to actually study the Bible as well. We challenge you have godly habits. Aim to read one chapter of the Bible a day and make an application. Make an application. That's critical. Because if you're like me, and I usually am, if you're like me, I can just read a chapter. Thank you, Greg. I've used that joke before. It's not funny anymore. Um, I can read a chapter or two. I could read for 15 minutes and totally miss what I read. I can be in my own little world, you know. So make an application. When you make an application, it's forcing that scripture to go through you okay read a chapter a day a chapter a day keeps the pastor away you can still call me truly but read a chapter a day and make an application aim to spend five to 15 minutes in devotions i know that's very broad but if you're not really having daily quiet time with the lord try for five minutes to begin with don't don't beat yourself up when you miss sometimes and then but if you're already spending a few minutes with the lord Try to go for 15 minutes or 20 minutes. You need this to have a relationship with God. You cannot have a relationship with God if you're not spending time with him. Read the Bible, apply the Bible, and then pray about what you read, by the way. Pray about what you read. Pray the scriptures back to the Lord. If you need help, contact me. Also. If you struggle with reading, it's perfectly all right. There are free audio Bibles all over the place. You can get them as an app for your phone. You can get them on BibleGateway.com online, on Facebook, as well as our church website, as well as on podcasts and YouTube. I have um, times where I just read through a chapter of the Bible and kind of teach it. They're five to 10 minutes a day, sometimes 15 minutes. There are tons of opportunities to help you grow spiritually. It takes three weeks to form a habit. 3 weeks to form a habit. So dedicate the time and effort and energy to build spiritual habits. If you're not in if this is not a habit for you, after the first week you might think oh, I'm just going to skip today and the next day and the next day. It's like exercise. You know, you start running and you think why am I doing this? This is just stupid. Why would I run? You know, it's like the joke. Sometimes I think about exercise then I just go to sleep for a while and that feeling goes away. You know, it, it, it's like that. Make sure you discipline. It takes discipline. Discipline yourself for godliness. Three weeks to form a habit. Remember, you do not have a relationship with someone who you do not spend time with. So, if you do not spend time with God, are you saved? And I'm going to leave that open. You can pray about that and consider that on your own. Christianity is about having a relationship with Christ. If you're just relying on a sinner's prayer that you prayed in fifth grade, I wouldn't bet your eternity on it. And also beyond that, you're missing out on so much that Jesus wants for you. I want to go deeper with some applications. You know, we, we must view our relationship with God as a relationship, and therefore we must spend time... In effort into our relationship with God. We must discipline ourselves unto godliness, as 1 Timothy 4, 7 said. We must understand spiritual growth takes discipline. We must discipline ourselves to spend time with the Lord. We must discipline ourselves to pray. You hear that? Discipline yourself to pray. That is increasingly more and more difficult in our culture of constant distractions. Where the TV is on 24-7, you might have to turn something off to have quiet time with the Lord. It takes discipline. We must understand spiritual growth takes discipline, and so we must, under, we must discipline ourselves to pray deeply, to pray deeply. And if you get copies of the sermon or pick one up on your way out, you can look at Ezra chapter 9 as well as 1 Kings chapter 8, and you can see deep, deep prayers in Scripture. Don't insult the Lord with little prayers. We are talking to the creator of the universe, the creator of the cosmos, the creator of everything seen and unseen. Discipline yourselves to pray deeply. We must discipline ourselves to corporate prayer. We need to pray with the body of Christ as well. And I would uh, refer you to Acts chapter 4, verses 24 through 30 about that. We must discipline ourselves to pray instead of worry. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Do not be anxious for anything, but in all situations by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. If you can worry, you can pray. And I think we can all worry, therefore I think we can all pray. We must discipline ourselves to spend time reading the scriptures. Look at Psalm one nineteen nine 9 through 11, and the whole chapter, really. We must discipline ourselves to spend time with the corporate church. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, and it talks about the corporate church. Discipline yourselves to spend time with the body of Christ. Some of us, that might mean going to bed earlier on Saturday night. Because you know, on Sunday morning, after you've been up till 3 a.m., the devil's going to work on you. Some of us, that means might be maybe saying no to some things. Listen, we all have limitations. We cannot commit to everything. So sometimes we might have to say no to certain things, so we can say yes to God. Now, listen. We, what you probably hear me saying is say no to sporting events on Sunday morning, and that's not really all that I'm saying. I'm saying if you make yourself busy six days a week, constantly busy, constantly going, by the time Sunday morning comes around, you are already too tired and you're not going to want to go to church. You have to say no to things throughout the week so you have energy to spare for the Lord. And the same thing for Wednesday night Bible study and Sunday school and meeting with prayer partners and things like that. We are a very busy culture. Slow down. So discipline ourselves. we must discipline ourselves to make Jesus our Lord, make him your Lord. We must discipline ourselves to pursue godliness so that out of that relationship with God flows the fruit of the Spirit. You're not going to have the fruit of the Spirit if you're not disciplining yourself to have a relationship with God. If you do not have a relationship with God, you're not going to have gentleness, self-control, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Pursue that relationship with God. We must spend time working out our relationship with God for the joy of knowing him better. Don't you want to know Jesus better? We must work out what God is working in us. We must let our relationship with Jesus flow out of us. We must obey Peter's command to grow. 2 Peter 3.18 says, Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. To him be the glory forever and ever. Grow spiritually. Grow in the grace of our Lord and Savior. Grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior in our spiritual growth, in our relationship with Jesus, we must aim to glorify him now and forever. It's all about God's glory. I began the sermon talking about Johnny Depp. Got another illustration. I've heard that in the 1950s, Elvis, who is definitely the greatest singer ever, Elvis, I'm just kidding, um, Elvis the, would, would was singing, you know, and the women would scream out these deafening screams, you know. The, his band, when they talked, they, they just wanted to get to Elvis. So in, in, in time, Elvis got bodyguards too. And, you know, if you've ever seen anything, you know, about his concerts in the 70s, I always remember hearing they would say, Elvis has left the building because they always wanted to get to him. They had bodyguards to keep people away from him. You couldn't have access to Elvis. But you do have access to Jesus. And Jesus wants that relationship with you. I want to end with this February 13th uh, devotion from my utmost for his highest. Oswald Chambers writes the following. He says, the destiny of my spiritual life is such identification with Jesus Christ that I always hear God. And I know that God always hears me. You hear that? Always hear God and I know that God always hears me. If I'm united with Jesus Christ, I hear God by the devotion of hearing all the time. A lily or a tree or a servant of God may convey God's message to me. What hinders me from hearing is that I am taken up with other things. You hear that? What hinders me from hearing God is that I am taken up with other things. It is, that, it, it is not that I will not hear God, but that I am not devoted in the right place. I am devoted to things, to service, to convictions. And God may say what he likes... But I do not hear him. The child attitude is always speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. If I have not cultivated this devotion of hearing, I can only hear God's voice at certain times. At, at other times, I am taken up with things. Things which I say I must do. And I become deaf to him. I'm not living the life of a child. Have I heard the voice of God today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us at Bethel Friends to discipline ourselves to godliness. Help us to work out what you are working in. Lord God, you are working in us spiritually and you call us to let it flow out of us. You call us to good works, which you prepared beforehand, as Ephesians 2.10 says. You call us to have a relationship with you. Lord God, I pray that we at Bethel Friends would truly have a relationship with you. That we would know you. That we would focus on spiritual habits, spiritual disciplines. Lord God, I pray for this body of Christ. You would help us all going deeper with you. If they do not have devotions with you, daily quiet times, may they work on it. May we all work on them this week. Lord, may we work on taking our spiritual disciplines to a deeper level. And first and foremost, may we know you. First and foremost, may we firmly make the decision to be with you. We want to live life with you in order to become like you. We want to become like you, to learn and do all that you say. And may we arrange our affairs around you. May we make you Lord of our life, following you in a relationship with you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.